Hello and welcome to Case Reopened. I'm your host, Tyler Treese. This is the number one Detective Conan Rewatch podcast, mainly because nobody else is dumb enough to go through such a series of such length. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and I'm joined by Colleen. Today, we are covering episode 169, Venus's Kiss. Have you ever been kissed by Venus, Colleen? No, I can't say I have been. That's a great title, though. I really like that title. In addition to that, we're also going to go over our favorite villains so far. Colleen tried to come with 11 on her list. <laughs> Just unable to follow the rules as always. But don't worry, I, I came with like 18. So, <laughs> I mean, so we, we both had trouble. We, we didn't set a number though. Wow. Hmm. So Venus's Kiss originally aired November 22nd, 1999. The Conan's Hint going into this episode was makeup calling okay that uh that makes it so simple that hint yeah so simple like sometimes i have to actually look for the hint with a magnifying glass but this one is just like punching you in the face like okay here you go so Karen says venus born from a big shell but underneath has a deadly scheme hmm very yeah that was good I mean, playing with the mythology a little bit and the actual content of the episode. Very good. The episode begins at the Baker Street Aquarium, where Kogoro and Ron have taken Conan to see a show about a mermaid. They walk into the stage area, and Ron notes that a girl will pop out from the underwater shell. Kogoro spots many tourists, and he's like, man, can we just go home? I don't want to be here. However, Ron says that a fan of Kogoro's invited them so it would be rude for them just to leave. Kogoro is then greeted by the stage director, Hayashi Masato. Kogoro thanks him for the invitation, and he's then introduced to the main character of the show, Usawa Michiko. She says that she's a huge fan of Kogoro, and hopes that he'll watch her performance. Now knowing that he's there for an attractive woman, Kogoro says he's looking forward to the show, and Ron and Ken are like, this guy, he's such a liar. <laughs> I loved it. It was so funny. He's just always on when beautiful woman's in his midst. Ron then bursts out an excited question asking Michiko how long she can hold her breath underwater. And Conan and Kagura are just kind of astonished that that's what she was dying to know. And Ron gets embarrassed. And Michiko says she can hold her breath for about four minutes. Colleen, how long can you hold your breath? Uh, only about two minutes. Wow, you're an amateur. <laughs> I suck. I cannot be an underwater performer. Hayashi then offers to give them a tour backstage. They visit the control room first. In the storage lockers, the costume changing room, which is where makeup is applied. And then the waiting room, where performers are before going on stage. Michiko tells Hayashi not to go into any further detail, as the show won't be a mystery anymore. They're then introduced to the head of staff, Murakawa Yasuyuki, and Minagishi Yuriko, who is another Venus in the group. Michiko snaps at Yuriko, telling her to get changed, and then says that she doesn't have the concentration of a professional, which shows that there's only a need for one Venus. So immediately you're like, oh, this woman's going to die because she's such a bitch. Yeah. 
Um, she was all sweet at first, right, when she was meeting Kogoro, but that didn't last long at all. And it, it was kind of interesting to see that Kogoro didn't even, I mean, she was interest. he was interested in her for about five seconds, but that uh, didn't last. Um, so it was just interesting to see because usually Kogoro is fawning over these women, but. I was surprised because as far as like Detective Conan hotties go, I think she ranked up there. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. It was the red hair. Too bad that she was rotten to the core. Well, oh, I thought you were going to say she was dead, and I was like, well, is that really a deal breaker? <laughs> Sorry, I ruined your joke. Michiko bids the group farewell, and Kegger says she's a strong, uptight woman. Hayashi explains that her father is the CEO of the Usawa Construction, and that he's part owner of the aquarium. Murakara then leaves to inspect the grounds, but drops a towel that Conan says he'll return to him. Conan enters the waiting room, and the man asks him to place it on a chair, as he can't get up right now. Murakara says he always does an inspection before each show, since a person's life is at stake. What a nice guy, Colin. He's definitely not going to be a murderer. Absolutely not. He's the one checking for safety. Like, this is, like, he has innocent written all over him. Conan asks about the red and green buttons and learns that the red one stops the water flow while the green one starts it. He says the control room manages the water, but those buttons are there so that it doesn't flood if the control room can't stop it. Conan gets back to his seats and they get ready to watch the show, which will definitely go off without any issues and nobody's definitely not going to die. I mean, the opening act it was fine. The clam opens and Eureka emerges as Venus. She swims with the fish, and Conan explains that they use the scent bags to make the fish swim with her. What a little dicky is. Like, Ron's just, like, enjoying the magic <laughs> and the amazingness of the performance, and Conan's like, yeah, so the fish don't actually <laughs> care about her. They're just following a scent that she has in her hand. Leave it to Conan to be the ever-practical one. This is what he does at mag magic shows, too. The show then ends, and Kogoro says that Michiko, uh, Michiko is up next. However, when the clam opens, her lifeless body appears in the water. I think the show's canceled. Nah, I think she's just, you know, taking a break. She's gonna liven up in a second. So you'd think the show would end, but, you know, show business does have that motto. The show goes on, you know? The yeah. show must go on. So the fish just keep on swimming around her. She has the scent bag. <laughs> No, they're just hovering around her <laughs> dead corpse. Oh, like, that's awful. The smell's not moving. This must have been horrifying as an audience member to come see a show and you actually witness somebody dying. Um, yeah, terrible. It's not good. The police arrive and Takagi get, gets Meguri up to speed and says that Michiko drowned. So what do you think about Takagi spreading false information to his <laughs> superior here? He's going off of the information he has at that moment. But I, I will say, I'll admit, I was quite excited to see Takagi. I forgot that he was in this episode. He's in, like, every episode. Even better. Conan looks at the body and notices that her makeup came off. Conan says she must have hurt her leg while drowning as well, and everybody notices that there's a bandage behind her left kneecap. Megary takes a look and he finds a medicine pack there. They check with the control room, and Hayashi says the shell should have turned blue at 80%, and that the water stops by itself. They say that there were no mistakes on their end, 
Conan asks if Michiko always wears a medicine pack, and he gets punched by Kogoro for sneaking in. Hayashi says that she had an accident with her left leg that made her almost drown during practice, and that if her legs were hurt, then the show should have been cancelled. Murakawa says Michiko had a strong work ethic and must have tried to perform despite the injury. It's kind of like me, Colleen. You know, there's days when my throat's sore from doing such great impressions, but I power on to keep this podcast going through thick and thin. And we really appreciate it. Like, you could do this podcast with, I don't know, you would break a bone and you'd still be doing it. You know, and uh, one of these days I'm going to wind up dead because of it. Mm. No. Mid-podcast, we'll turn the, we'll turn this podcast into a murder mystery. Yeah, that'll be the kicker. <laughs> That's what this show is uh, amounting to in the end. How did Colleen do it? Her <laughs> alibi places are thousands of miles away, but can she really be trusted? She is a woman. Hmm. And I am learning from Detective Conan. Wow, she looks really innocent. <laughs> so Takagi has an engineer check the shell and they find no issues with it. Staff member says she could have pressed a button to escape at any time. Conan then spots a white substance on the floor, which winds up being foundation. Colleen, uh, you know, this is your area of expertise. You love makeup. That's <laughs> what foundation does. Uh, <laughs> uh, you put it on your face and... <laughs> I feel like I could have told you that much. <laughs> what does foundation do? I don't know, it just covers up some of your blemishes and makes... It creates a canvas on your face to put the rest of the makeup on. Let's go with that. All right. I'm, I was quite impressed that Takagi knew what it was right off the bat. Megari interviews Yuriko, and they learn that water is immediately added after Michiko gets into position. Marisawa says that he went to the restroom during the show, and Conan notices water dripping from a wet hoodie. He also notices lipstick marks on it, which is uh, very suspicious. Yeah, at this point, uh, I knew what had happened. Conan takes a look at the makeup room and asks about the lipstick. It's uh, kind of like a... Well, how would you describe this color, Colin? The color? Yeah, um, the lipstick. Oh, was it like a raspberry? Yeah, perfect description. That's why we needed the, <laughs> the expertise of a woman. Gee, thanks. So, Colleen, it's time for your weekly fashion corner. Uh, what do you think overall about Michiko's lipstick and her, her makeup? Did you think it was on point? Uh, I Yeah, I think so. I think it really suited her. Um, that's it. The end. <laughs> okay. I, I, thought, I thought there was going to be more, but I couldn't think that of it. That was the worst else. fashion corner yet. <laughs> They've all been pretty bad. I'm not a very fashionable person. <laughs> Clearly, your, your <laughs> description of foundation, you're like, well, they put it on their face. Yep. I'm sorry, you're going to have to replace me with someone, like a girl who actually knows about makeup, I guess. Uh, we've had enough women on this podcast going. <laughs> but which, it, which is just you. I don't think we've ever had another. <laughs> One is too much. So, uh, Yuriko is confused because that the lipstick's still out because Michiko used to, usually cleans up properly and she isn't a, the careless type. Some medicine wrap then falls on the floor and Marisawa says it must have been from the pack she used. 
And that's when Ken solves the case and says it wasn't an accident, but rather a planned murder that he knows the culprit of. Takagi then reports back to Meguri and tells him about the foundation he found and that the stain matches with the position of Michiko's face. Meguri believes she fell after hurting her leg, and they agree that it was all an unfortunate accident. Your boy's just uh, dropping the ball here, Colleen. He's fine. <laughs> he's he's going to roll this murder as an accident. Oh, and Kogro's never done that. He calls every murder a suicide. They then have a man in scuba gear test out the shell, and they confirm that everything's working correctly. Kenan then knocks out Kogoro with his wrist gun and begins his deduction show after the test completes. Kogoro says it was a planned murder, and he says that Michiko was a professional that always looked out for the eyes of the audience, which is why she wouldn't wear a medicine wrap that they could see. How shocking. Hayashi then says that while Michiko used medicine wrap for practicing, she would always take it off for performances. Kegger also points out that Michiko wore high heels when she met him earlier, which she wouldn't do if her legs were in pain. Is that true, Colleen? I'm going to give you a a shot at redemption here. (laughs) Colleen's fashion corner, number two, would you wear high heels if your legs were in pain? It would be very difficult. Uh, You could probably wear them, but you'd have to either stand in one spot or sit down or something, but that defeats the purpose of heels. So... I took this to mean uh, either she was going through the pain because apparently pain is beauty or something like that, or she, her leg actually didn't hurt at this point. So two ways of interpreting this scene. I think Conan's going with the, the latter. Well, I woke up with a bad back and a sore neck, so uh, I must be really beautiful today. <laughs> was that from wearing your high heels the other day? Yep. Directly, you know what they say, the high heels don't offer support for your neck. It's real rough. <laughs> I guess that's factually correct. <laughs> it definitely does support <laughs> your neck. So, Kegger believes the culprit put the medicine wrap on her in order to mislead the investigation, and Takagi was completely fooled. Before the show started, the murderer snuck up on Machiko while she was putting her makeup on. He then killed her, put the wrap on her leg, and moved her body inside the shell. Yuriko says she was performing during that time, and Morikawa claims he was in the control room with Hayashi. But Kogura says that as long as Machiko was drugged first, and then the body was moved later, it wouldn't take that long to kill her. He then points out that Morikawa said he went to the restroom, but he was actually committing the crime then. Were you at all surprised that Murakawa was the culprit here? Because it seemed pretty obvious to me. Uh, No. By this point, no. Uh, at first, I wasn't quite sure. I thought maybe it was the other girl because she was jealous of the Venus title thing. But as soon as I saw that lipstick on the jacket, I knew who it was. So I saw that too, and I was like, "Oh, were they fucking?" Huh, 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 huh. I didn't put it together that it was just her unconscious body, but I was like, "Oh, I wonder what's going on there." Fair enough, because at that angle, you can't tell if the lipstick is. Upside down or not? So Kegura says he has evidence that Murakawa is the culprit. The evidence is found on Michiko's cosmetics being scattered and not put away neatly. She was putting on makeup when she got attacked. There's also foundation found in the shell's tank, which was left there as she was dragged unconsciously into the shell. After the water filled up, Michiko died. Murakawa laughs and says that none of these theories can count as evidence. 
he kind of has a point like since when yeah. is making a mess evidence like well this person would never be this messy so it must have been murder yeah he completely has a point and Kegra says that Murakawa actually has evidence on him either on his back or his neck so your boy Takagi checks and he gets this shining moment here as he finds lipstick the same shade as the kind Michiko wore on his back Oh yeah, yeah redemption raz- for Chicago. The raspberry shade here. I ho- I really hope it was that color. <laughs> I'm gonna be really embarrassed if it wasn't. Kekoro says it happened while she was being carried, and that it stained his work uniform, which he tried to wash off. He did a really poor job. Like it wasn't washing off, dude. <laughs> Not at all. He then says that you can see a faint lipstick mark on the uniform still, but it wasn't faint at all. <laughs> like it was very obvious and stuck out. Yeah. Murakawa then says that he didn't know when the mark was made. However, Kogrest tells him to look closely at the mark as it is upside down. The only way for that to exist is if her head was over his shoulders and she was being carried. So that's proof. Do you remember what he said, too? When he's like, I don't know where it happened. Maybe it was in a narrow corridor or something. And I I don't even know where he was uh, going with that. Like, is he... What's he doing in narrow corridors with these? I think they were, I think they were banging, Colleen. Okay, so your theory is back on the table then. A moment of passion in a narrow corridor. Maybe. (laughs) Well, he's a hunk, you know? Sure, sure. Murakawa then says Machiko deserved to die. (laughs) He he drops that act real quickly after he's found out. Like, she deserved to die. And he says that two years ago, his wife and child were killed in a hit-and-run accident. The driver was none other than her, Machiko. And when her father was at the aquarium, he accidentally overheard them talking about it. And she laughed at how Murakawa didn't know about it. And he says that woman didn't have any remorse, not even a bit. So she's probably going to make it on our villains list. Uh, I don't think she did. I don't think she did. (laughs) No. But... She's definitely in the spirit of our, our favorite villain so far. Well, I don't know. She's kind of... She, I don't even know if she's a villain. Sure, she kills some people, but she was also pretty hot. So I think she's a she's a hero in my eyes. Oh, I see. That balanced things, things out. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. As long as you're hot, it doesn't matter if you're a villain or not. I mean, if any woman wants to commit a murder uh, and you're hot... I'll give you a pass. So, I don't. I wish I had something witty to say to that, but I don't. I can't think of anything. After the ending song, Kegra says it was too bad about the performance, as he knew Ron was looking forward to it. Kegra says he'll take her to another place some other time, and that's when he sees a flyer for a humongous dome-style pole opening on Baker Street, and he suggests they go there. He looks at the poster, and he says, Wow, there's tons of girls in bathing suits. <laughs> And that pisses off Ron, and she does like a roundhouse kick at her father, but he ducks out of the way, and him and Conan are completely worried that she's going to crack the aquarium with her kick. However, she expertly stops her leg and says, gotcha, just stress relief, stress relief. Let's go home. I don't know if Kogoro meant to be um totally oblivious there he's just like look rom there's a bunch of girls your age also in bathing suits look how much fun you'll have well i think he just can't help himself (laughs) you know 
Kegaro, he sees a hot woman, he has to remark on it. Okay. Yeah. I've He's showing there. his appreciation. Oh, you've been there? Kegaro says he pulled his back and kind of just wants a break from it all here as the episode ends. So, it was nice to see Ron get a moment here, because other than asking that question about how long can you hold your breath, uh, she didn't really have much to do during this episode. Nope. No flashlights to hold, no pebbles to collect. No, but, uh, you know, it was a fun enough episode. I thought this was alright. I thought the uh, idea of the underwater show was cool. I learned about how they get fish to swim with them, so that's... I always like when Conan teaches me something about the real world, so I enjoyed learning that, that they have scent packs, and fish just, I didn't even know fish could smell, you know, well, I guess, you know, sharks smell blood and stuff, but are sharks really a fish? I don't, I think they're something else. Are they a mammal? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to answer? I'm going to Google it. (laughs) Oh, oh, they're fish, not mammals. Okay. Huh. Don't they have, hmm. Whales are what's, mammals. What, what's a baby shark? Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do 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 do. Well, are they eggs or some shit? Shark eggs. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, are they? Don't see any shark eggs. <laughs> do, do sharks have live births? Let's find out here. Sharks lay eggs. Uh, there are some egg-laying species and other live-bearing species. Oh, that doesn't fucking help me. Hmm. Both. That's great. Does that mean that the live-bearing species are not fish? Females keep the eggs in their body until they hatch, then give birth to the live. Okay. Interesting. Wow. That's pretty that's... cool. Yeah, that's there's nifty. an egg up in there. <laughs> there's an egg up in there. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so... Learning a little bit about biology. I forget what I was talking Oh, the episode. <laughs> My thoughts on the episode. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was fun. It wasn't like a standout case or anything, but... And, like, I feel like the hit and run, like... Oh, my significant other and child was involved in a hit and run. Like, we've seen this. We've heard this, like, five times. <laughs> I don't care that your kid died in a hit and run. I've been there, done that, sir. Please come up with a more sympathetic plot. <laughs> I do not care anymore. Come on, be creative. Yeah. Why you want to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. We've seen this too many times. What do you think, though? Yeah, I didn't think this was an overly spectacular episode. I did enjoy the underwater show. Uh, I thought to myself, why hasn't this come to North America? Like, I've never seen it advertised in a city near me, so it's definitely one of those things that... I would like to see. Um, hopefully nobody drowns during the performance. Um, but uh, yeah, not- this episode was fine. Like I liked it, but there was nothing that was overly interesting, I guess. Like the trick was literally misdirecting them with the the patch on her leg. That was her- the big trick. Like the rest of it was just like, oh, he drugged her and moved her into the tank. Ew. Would you eat a spiny dogfish shark? A spiny dogfish shark? I don't think so. I don't even know what a dogfish shark is. Well, it's a dogfish shark. Come on. <laughs> a little spiny, though. <laughs> Doesn't have an anal fin. So how's that coming out? Interesting. 
That's a good idea. Huh. You're becoming a shark expert. <laughs> well, apparently spiny dogfish are consumed as human food in Europe, the United States, Canada, New Zealand, and Chile. I've never heard of this thing. <laughs> it's primarily consumed in England, France, Italy, and Germany. Uh, the fins and tails are processed in the fin needles and are used in less expensive versions of shark fin soup. Okay, I've heard of that. Uh, yeah. You had shark fin soup? I have not. I don't okay. think, uh, I think it would go against my, my beliefs. Okay, what's going on in France? In France, it's sold as sm- small salmon. It's a shark! What? And in you Belgium know that tuna Germany... fish in the can? That's dogfish meat. In Belgium and Germany, it's sold as seal. It's also used as fertilizer, liver oil, and pet food. Because of its availability, uh, cartilaginous skull and manageable size is a popular vertebrate dissection specimen in both high schools and universities. You might have cut one of these open, Colin. Uh, What did we do? I don't know if we did frogs or... I think we did pigs in my science class. Oh, the poor piggies! I know. Oh, I know. I'm, we did a frog. I, I didn't. I don't like that stuff. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine the poor little piggies. I'm pretty sure my oh. lab partner did it, and I just sort of stood at the side. I think that's. Yeah. I, I don't think I cut open a frog. I couldn't do that. I. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, oh, poor things. All right. So the next kind is hint. Dead piglets. No. Uh, it's actually fuse box. And Conan says, next stage is the doctors. And Genta says, I hate needles. And then for some reason, there's a big, like, translator's note here. And they were like, this joke only makes sense if you know <laughs> Japanese. And I was like, I, I don't. Th- out of all of the times we've needed, like, notes on the Japanese magic, this did not appear to be one of them, though. You know what? It, it really worked on me, though, because that's what I focused on. And because of it, I'm like, oh, OK, well, I'm not going to like rewind the two seconds to watch it back. So <laughs> I kind of regret that I didn't because I would have gotten it. But I was like, well, they can't be lying to me. I'm sure it's some Japanese pun that I'm not going to understand. Yes, being afraid of needles, the ultimate Japanese pun. <laughs> so we want to give thanks to our patrons. Uh, for making this show possible, medium-sized Jeffrey, Ryan Self, Spencer Young, William Lee, and Big Chief Mason. Thank you all for the support. Thank you so much. And let's move on to our second part of the episode, which is we're going to talk about our favorite villains so far. And uh, you know what or they say. Or our top villains, because I don't know if these people are necessarily my favorite villains, but they're my faves. <laughs> what? That uh, the the topic is open for interpretation. Yes, I like that. And as they say, gentlemen first. So I'll start with my list. <laughs> it's also easier because your list is first in the notes. So I want to give a shout out to the museum director Ochi in the art museum owner murder case. This is one of the first cases where the murderer you really like felt for. You're like, oh, you know what? Maybe. He'd- Maybe we should give him a pass, you know? <laughs> oh, was he a hot woman, too? No, he was an <laughs> old dude with a beard who somehow, like, stabbed that dude with, like, a, a giant sword. He rocked. 
man. I can't wait to revisit but, this in the dub because I don't remember this case that well, but uh, you guys seem to like it a lot. Yeah, there was, uh, the whole thing was that like the owner of the museum was going to turn it, uh, was like going to shut it down or something. And this man loved the museum so much that he uh, he killed and killed the man for it. it was similar, kind of like the the Gomera case, which almost made my list. Where the big bad guy is trying to shit. Or no, I'm thinking of the theater case. Which case was that? <laughs> or was that the same one? I don't know. The, actually, now that you mention it, they do have similar um, premises, I guess. But uh, yeah, so I, that one stood out as an early mainstay. And then we're going to move all the way to episode 9, which is one episode <laughs> later. This was the Tenkaichi Night Festival murder case. Uh, the guy was Norikazu Sasai, and he's the dude with the watch. He was the tanned guy, and he had his watch tan line missing. And I thought that was so clever that that's what ruined his uh alibi and that he, he put so much thought into this murder planning you know a year in advance and all that so i was really that just seemed like such a crafty guy and i was like man this this villain's real smart and it seemed like one of the first real big tests for conan because you know it was a really tough case to crack and it was one where we the viewer knew he had done it but the whole mystery was like, how did he get away with it? What's, you know, cracking that alibi? So that was a fun spin on the typical episode. So that really stood out for yeah, me. Fantastic case. We move on to episode 11, the Moonlight Sonata murder case. Uh, Narumi Asai, who winds up being the son of the pianist who is posing as a nurse. So that's obviously an interesting dynamic. And then... Uh, you just feel so bad for him by the end, and then they commit suicide, and that leaves such a such a mark on Conan there. And so that, that was a memorable villain for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Conan at that point, although this, I don't know how often comes back in the series, but it did make him uh, sort of vow that he wouldn't want anybody to die, even the killer, <laughs> Although a lot of people seem to die around Conan, so I don't know how good he is at Let's uh... go with it being Kogoro's curse. Uh, we then move to Maya Tachibana, who is the mysterious woman with amnesia from the mysterious woman with amnesia <laughs> case. This is episode 24. This was the, an anime original. And the reason I wanted to touch on this is that so she winds up being this mysterious woman that, uh, well, with amnesia, if you will, <laughs> that they come across. And they're like, man, we got to figure out who you are, what you were doing. Sorry, who was she out, again? Well, she was the mysterious woman with amnesia. <laughs> Follow me a little bit here. Colin. I'm Please sorry. pay attention. <sighs> and so it turns out that she was actually a, like, hit man, or hit woman, if you will, and that she was she's a hired killer. And the person she's supposed to be killing is Koguro. And you're like, whoa, that's a crazy twist. So I thought that was a really cool idea for an episode. And then this actually is kind of similar to one of the later movies. Because they have a, a movie that's based around like a, a black organization person that gets oh, amnesia. Okay. So like this was kind of like the like the original version so of that. Yama stole so the idea. That was cool. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, 
don't think we could use that for a movie. I'm just going to wait <laughs> 20 Some years. nobody will remember, except Tyler Treese on that one podcast episode. <laughs> I don't even know if Goshoyama worked on the movie that you're talking about. Going to move to one of our first two-parters, the Kogoro's Class Reunion Murder Case, Kazushi Nakamichi, Kogoro's friend. I think he's also a oh, police dang. officer as well. So, like, that was even more dastardly. And uh, we get this long-running thing of just Kogoro's friends being the absolute worst. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you put the other guy on the list? Yeah. Well, he's an honorable mention. But uh, he's also Kogoro's friend. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, another person, uh, episode 64, which is an anime original, is Terraoka, who's the guy that was having a barbecue with Kogoro and he was like Kogoro is superior in the police force and then he decides to murder this gangster mid uh mid session and then Kogoro has to you know come around and finally call out his boss for being a murderer so that was a big big hurting of a case there and uh then we got to move to the Monday night 7.30 p.m. murder case, which is episode 36. Yoko Sawaki, she was the dentist of Ayumi and a murderer calling. And I, I thought this was a really neat villain just because, like, she's using a kid to confirm her alibi. And that's kind of dastardly in itself. You know, like, innocent little Ayumi, you're going to make her an accessory to murder? Yeah, that was pretty rotten. And I love the show, uh, showdown rather between her and Conan, um, like almost at the very end. And she could have gotten away with uh, killing Conan too. Yeah, so she, I thought she was a great villain. And then one of my favorite is the General Hospital murder case, another anime original, for episode eighty-three. Uh, Mitsu Shirai is actually Kogoro's uh, doctor. And he basically gaslights him into thinking he's seeing murders every night just to make him look insane. And so when he finally commits a murder and everybody's like, yeah. nobody died. <clears throat> Old Kogoro, he's suffering PTSD again. Think about all these murder cases. Yeah, Whoa, anyone who messes with like someone's psychology or their mental health, like I just find that it's quite villainous. So definitely deserving of being on the list. <laughs> I think it's awesome. So I was, I was like, "Wow, this villain's really inspiring to me." He's my fave. <laughs> then we move to episode eighty-four and eighty-five, the ski lodge murder case, and the word, this is going to come back up here in a little bit. But I chose Akiko Yanahara, who's Ron and Sonica's former teacher. This winds up being a really emotional case where Ron has to like confront. Like a teacher that she looked up at, and the teacher actually attacks Sonico during it. And it, like the fact that she has to really come to terms with that, and she she's very she very tearfully like does her deduction with help from Shinichi um, during that case. So that's a that's a memorable thing. And what a monster you have to be to attack Sonico. She's such a a perfect woman, you know. She's the treasure of this show, if you will. Yeah, and she gets attacked again, shockingly, in the Sonico's Dangerous Summer Story, which is episodes 153 and 154. We have the very charming, uh, like, 
serial killer Tadahiko Michiwaki, who's uh, killing all these beautiful brown-haired girls. Because he doesn't Except like for brown Ron. hair. My ex-girlfriend had brown hair. <laughs> well, Ron, yeah. She has dark brown hair. It's very different. Yeah, that case is, like, so funny when they're like, Oh no, Sonica, you have brown hair. And then Ron's, like, standing right next to <laughs> Like, what about me? Like, Not you. So, yeah, he's a real scumbag. And uh, the way he manipulated Sonica just really grew my ire. But thankfully, uh, her boyfriend was there to save the day. So that was nice. The Prince of Kicks. And finally, number 10 is Yusuke Asakata from the Nanawa serial murder case, episode 118. He's the, like, police detective that is with Haiji that entire case because they are in... Uh, Osaka and he's driving them all around every place. I thought that was great because like I never expected him to be the murderer. When I, re- I remember reading that manga case and I was like no way this dude was with them the entire time but he was doing it and that just blew my mind and he also had a good reason for killing because uh, there's a bunch of people that uh, <laughs> did a really hilarious joke where they made this uh, uh, driving teacher <laughs> uh, drunk Put him behind the wheel. <laughs> what a great! We really got that teacher. It's so hilarious. Oh, I can't stop laughing. But yeah, this is sort of like in the same vein as Kogro's, either friends or colleagues, also kind of turning to the wrong side of the law. So there is definitely something uh, quite villainous about like previously law-abiding people turning to the dark side, if you will. Yeah, so I did want to. I did have some honorable mentions. I want to very quickly touch upon. I want to talk about Tomoya's father in the once a month present threat case. I thought this was real, just a real psychopath. I kind of hate how the episode they're like, "Oh, we're just gonna let him be." Yeah, he's 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 probably perfectly fine after trying to murder this kid. Right, he's gone through enough. Yeah, like that's insane to me. They're like, like he's not gonna crack again. Uh, and then there's Akia's mom from the Haunted Mansion murder case where the old creepy woman that's leaving her son, like, <laughs> celled in this abandoned house. Like, that's such a creepy case. Like, that was one of the first cases of the show that, like, really felt spooky. And they don't always go through that, uh, go to that, like, type of case. It's kind of rare in Conan, but... That, that, like, really had the vibes of, like, a horror show. You see the kids getting picked off one by one. Like, that was a, a really good case. And to, She's not really that great of a villain, which is why <laughs> she made the honorable mentions more. Because she left the kids, like, outside. Like, she wasn't going to kill them. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, but you definitely... Bad, bad people. She was, she was more of, like, a scary villain. Still a villain. Yeah, you definitely feared for the kids. You know, that case should have been called the Disappearing Detective Voice case. And then uh, Takashi Matsuo from the TV station murder case. I just thought it was cool that he killed a guy while doing his job as a uh, TV host. Like, on the job, live on television. Pretty cool. That's my See, my goal is to do that, but while podcasting live. Oh, so the tables are turning. It's going to be... How did Tyler commit the murder? How did he kill Colleen? Oh, so it's going to be you I'm killing? Oh, well, okay. who else is there? Hmm. 
Who else? Do you think I don't know anybody else? Oh, I thought we were referring to just this Who else podcast. Obviously, he's gonna kill me. Because <laughs> he wants to be the one host on this podcast. I'm the only person he'd kill. And then, uh, from the karaoke box murder case, Lex, um, Mary Terahara, uh, where she kills the man that mm. loved her the most. That was, uh, <laughs> women. Always killing us good men off. And then finally, a stalker's murder case, episode 71, Miho Nishitani, where she wound up killing her stalker because she knew this weirdo was gonna, like, <laughs> go ape shit if he found like a uh, half drinking uh, <laughs> can of soda so she poisoned it and this guy was like oh soda her saliva <laughs> this seemed more like self defense kind of uh, yeah so this guy kind of deserved to die so that's why she's a cool villain in my yeah, eyes yeah she came up with that glue on the finger tips trick yeah it was a good episode All I right. thought Colleen, let's hear your 10. Okay, so I was kind of all over the place with this one. Um, I went with both, um, like, people, the culprits. I went with some victims as well. And my thinking was uh, that I would focus on these characters as people, as characters, their personality, um, and not necessarily the trick that they did. Because I feel like down the road we might do our favorite murder methods or our favorite murder tricks so i'm gonna want to reserve those for that uh, episode of the podcast so these ones are uh just looking at the people but not necessarily what how they committed the crime if they did one so topping my list at number one as probably my favorite villain so far in conan is Jin. we saw him in episode one in episode 128 and 129, but also in a bunch of background scenes and flashbacks. Of course, not including that one where the fake gin and fake vodka show up where when they were supposed to be the real guys. Um, I don't know. I just love gin. You know, those might be the ultimate villains because they <laughs> screwed up a really it's good very episode. True. Like, not only did they leave a bomb on a train and just, like, took off, but, yeah, they... <laughs> They messed with the continuity of the show. Um, Jin's probably my favorite black organization member. I mean, I haven't met them all yet, but uh, the ones I of the ones I've met, um, they don't really match up to Jin. You know, no remorse, no scruples. He was out to kill our protagonist from episode one, and that's why he is a great villain in my book. Um, so moving right along is uh, Tomofumi Tanaka, I guess, from episode 15, The Missing Corpse Murder Case. This is the guy who uh, killed his brother and then, like, his twin brother and pretended to be him to set up an alibi. Great, great guy. (laughs) This guy rules. So not only did he, you know, commit fratricide but also he was uh attacking conan i'm not sure can't remember if he was attacking the other detective boys in that episode but there was definitely a a moment with conan they were like going at it so yeah anybody who's gonna try and kill a kid uh totally villain no no question there um next you're not wrong there (laughs) 
Next up, I've got Toshihiko Takasuki from episode 18, the June Bride murder case. So he's, of course, the groom. Um, and, you know, looking back at sort of his backstory and all of that, like, again, it's the revenge plot, his uh, family. I, I can't recall exactly if it was just his mother or also like a sibling or whatnot. Uh, I think they were involved in a car accident of some sort. And, of course, when he found out that um, his girlfriend was uh, related to the person involved in that case, uh, he set out to get his revenge. So uh, I think what made him a good villain was that he was willing to go as far as to murder his own fiance to uh, achieve his goals course he doesn't end up doing it so there is a bit of a but somehow somehow they're back on good terms and they're like oh you're actually my long lost love and three and years like, later they get married stuff. so he got a happy ending so crime sometimes does pay apparently i'll say um next up is um probably a guy that um deserves this spot because <laughs> Like, besides maybe episode one, we don't see a lot of severed heads. And the man I'm talking about is Ryuichi Takahashi from episodes 34 and 35, the Mountain Villa Bandage Man murder case. He pretended <laughs> he pretended to be fat so he could put a head in his belly. Yeah, if that's not a villain, I don't know what is. Um, he, yeah, so got the head. Severed head is part of his trick. He was attacking Ron with an axe for most of the episode. Yeah, just top tier villainy right there. God, he rocks too. <laughs> this show's had a lot of really good villains. It's so true. And, like, I guess we get some repeats and tropes, but they all feel fresh enough. I don't know, maybe it's because there's a lot of episodes in between before we see, you know, tropes repeat themselves. But I don't feel... Like, I've ever been like, oh, yeah, that guy is exactly like that guy. Like, there are some tweaks. Um, so it's it's creative enough. Next up on my list is uh, Shuji Tsugawa from episode 50, The Library Murder Case. Um, this guy is here because he is probably one of the creepiest uh, culprits in uh, the Detective Conan series. Oh, yeah. Like, just looking at him gives me the chills because he like he was there creeping around the library uh he put a body on an elevator and he was trying to get the detective boys like it, he's just like super spooky and uh yeah oh <laughs> he's just yeah probably the so creepiest creepy. design of any uh villain from the show He's just yeah, like, he's just a middle-aged bald guy, which is really the scariest <laughs> thing you can think of. Yeah, it's just like what he they made him do. Like he was kind of like um, his head was turning around corners and things like that. And yeah, uh, can't wait to rewatch that episode in the dub. I guess. Next, I've got Goro Kinoshita from episodes sixty-one and sixty-two, a ghost ship murder case. This, of course, is. Also, the set of episodes that brought us Suzu. <laughs> Suzu! So, Goro, uh, for most of the episodes, um, he was 
helping Conan out. And then, like, he ended up being the bad guy. And, again, kind of similar to uh, the previous uh, culprit that I mentioned, he had this one moment that uh, when, I guess, the sudden realization that he was the villain uh, by Conan, like, this guy just... I don't know. He like he narrowed his eyes and did one of those villainous smiles. It um it's definitely a an image that uh, impacted me a lot and it scared me. So he um that's mainly why he's there. Um, I mean why he's on the list just because the scare factor. Um, Yoshihiro Ikuta is next. He's from episode 66, The Night Road Murder Case. So uh, Yoshihiro is actually the uh, victim in this case. And I put him on the list because... Um, so we'll all, we usually get these backstories, right, in Conan where, you know, the murderer had some sort of motive. Like, actually, we just did a case like that where they have kind of like this motive where... You know, so a loved one was hurt or whatnot. And in this case, uh, Yoshihiro, um, this is the one where I believe they went up in the mountains. They were hiking and the fiance of the murderer was uh, left alone. I think she was injured or something. And this guy left her there and he didn't like have any regrets about it. And he knew she was going to die. So... Yeah, pretty jerk move, and uh, that's why I think he's a villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely a piece of shit. You remember that dude that was like, there's no so there's an anime original where Kegger is just like facing off against a like hitman named Fox or something. That was a wild episode. <laughs> Maybe Fox. Do you remember that one? Uh, not not off the top of my head, no. They were they were at like a mountain, and then like this dude was just shooting guns. Oh, at is this the traversing <laughs> one? Is that the one? Yes, yes, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Oh, so many good villains! Like how we managed to just get ten, or in other cases, eighteen. Wow! Wow! Um. Okay. So. Finishing, uh, yeah. close to finishing off my list, uh, I've got at number eight, uh, Terihiko Kasuga from episode 73, The Detective Boy's Disaster Case. This is the one, I believe it took place at a beach, and uh, this guy, oh gosh, he was a real piece of work. So he wanted to kill his um, fiance, I believe they were a fiance, maybe they were just boyfriend and girlfriend. Because yeah. uh, he basically got a better offer. Uh, he was trying to... Because he is like from a rich family or whatnot. And he was trying to get an arranged marriage with a rich girl. And apparently this girlfriend was in his way. So he wanted to get rid of her. Like forget, you know, just breaking up the natural way. And um, I believe there's a point where uh, he also has Ayumi at gunpoint. Um, so not cool. <laughs> Yeah, he holds her and puts a gun yeah. on her. What a dick. So, very bad man. Bad, bad, bad. He's a monster. Yeah. Sorry, I was opening the image up. Yes, that's the guy. <laughs> okay. 
So, um, the next, I guess the next two people, I'll, I'll uh, treat them as a unit. It's uh, Sugiyama and Shimoda from um, episodes 84 and 85, the Ski Lodge murder case. So, we already went through this case with you, Tyler. You actually picked the murderer as a villain uh, for your list, and I went with the... Well, because she attacked Sonica. These fine gentlemen have better taste with who they attack Yes, they attack and kill defenseless, innocent elementary school students. So uh, Shiguyama and Shimoto are the two uh, people that, uh, what was her name? Are the two people that Akiko actually killed in this episode. Um, and they, the whole backstory was that they were teachers, because all of these people are teachers um, who are at the ski lodge. And these two were involved in some dirty dealings. Can't remember exactly what it was. And um, this student of theirs found out and they uh, hanged her, basically, to keep her quiet. And it was awful. And I'm never, I'm never going to forgive them for it, even if they are fictional characters. She had it coming. Well, she was in Suzu, so I guess any other girl doesn't really matter. (laughs) What's the saying, uh curiosity killed yeah, the that's, elementary that's school <laughs> that famous saying so yeah i thought these these people were real pieces of shit and that's why they're on the list <laughs> whoa oh whoa colony please no curse oh you heard that <laughs> we're gonna have to put we're gonna have to put an explicit tag on the podcast now every my apologies people I have a very dirty mouth because of you dropping the Essler. Um, yeah. Did I want to say anything else about them? Okay. Alright. And then last, but certainly not least, on my list is Megumi Sakihara from episodes 150 and 151. The truth behind the car explosion case. Um, I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to put her on list but i realized i didn't have any other women on so i better put one because that's basically the whole thing of this show is that women kill apparently anyways that wasn't the reason why i added her uh after looking at it you know she did um have a reason to do what she did so this is the case where uh there was like a a murder pact uh formed by these two guys and they basically said okay, let's kill each other's wives. And one of the wives found out about it and uh, realized that her husband's accomplice had put a bomb on her car. And she basically let her sister uh, get killed because of it. So she you know, allowed her sister to die and she got her husband put away in jail for it. Um, pretty bad. <laughs> I gotta say that's pretty bad. And she's... It's kind of in the same vein of, like, Kogoro's past acquaintances. Like, she was a um, student of Kogoro's when he was a tutor. So, yeah, she, uh, I don't know. I just have this thing about, like, you know, people killing children and killing their family members. Something doesn't sit well with me. So, that's why all these people are villains. Is it because deep down you know that someday you're going to kill your kids? (laughs) No. Well... Okay, if you say so. 
if you say so. <laughs> so, I guess that'll do it for our top, for our favorite villains. So yeah, there's so many more coming that are really good. Uh, I guess, can if I can, if I may have an honorable mention as well. Um, the guy, and I don't, <laughs> do they even have names? The The two guys from the indiscriminate stadium threatening case. Uh, this is the one where, uh, what are they watching? Soccer, was it? And basically, there's a yeah, bomb a somewhere game, in the stadium, soccer, yeah. and they're gonna, you know, they were threatening to, you know, kill a bunch of people. So those guys, are pretty villainous too. Very true. Very true. So next episode, next podcast, we will be doing the blind spot in the darkness, part one and two. So you can look forward to that. You can follow us on Twitter at case underscore reopened. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash case reopened. Uh, we have bonus episodes, three a month, uh, that we really enjoy doing. So please support us if you can. And you want to hear some yeah, more content. Yeah, we cover Yaiba, we cover Kaido Kid, and we're doing the Case Closed dub. Yeah, so thank you guys that do support us. It means a lot. And we'll be back next week with more. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails. <laughs>